Hey everybody. Today, Sharice and I accidentally stumble upon our stripper names. We get on Wesley Crusher's case and we ask the question, why aren't there any sprinklers aboard the Enterprise? Isn't that a fire hazard? Stay tuned. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hi, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, today we are talking about Season 1, Episode 12, Data Lore. How psyched are you? I'm so excited. You know, I'm a big <laughs> Data fan, and here we are in, what what did you say, Episode 12 now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're getting a Data-heavy episode, so I'm excited. Oh my God. The whole time I was watching this episode, I was like, I can't wait to just let Sharice like go bananas. Like (laughs) this episode review. Uh, So this episode was written by Robert Lewin and Maurice Hurley, directed by Rob Bowman. And the start date is 41242.2. So I have a little bit of trivia, but I might kind of just sprinkle that in as we go. Um, I found a couple of little cool pieces. Um, And, you know, actually, for those of you who have been listening and Sharice, obviously you've been doing this with me. My plot summaries have usually been these like long giant things. <laughs> so I've made a concerted effort to do like a two sentence plot summary <laughs> because 10 minutes later, we're still talking about the plot summary. <laughs> but I love that though. I love oh, that do you? people who are driving in their cars. Yeah. People who are driving in their cars or doing, you know, and thanks for listening guys, but people who are doing their activities <laughs> don't, not, don't necessarily remember what the episode is just from the name. So I love when you do like the whole summary and people are like, oh yeah, that is what it was. Oh, right. That is what happened. You know what I mean? Okay. Well, you know what? I'll do a short one this time. And then maybe okay. for next week, I'll go back to the longer one. Okay. All right. So here is the plot summary for data lore. The enterprise visits the planet where data was created and discovers another Android just like him, but the brothers have crucial differences. <laughs> that's my shortest that plot was, summary ever <laughs> that, that was pretty short but i will tell you it's also very accurate so okay thank you oh boy thank you <laughs> um so before we totally jump in did you know sharice that the lore episode was actually originally written to be like the the, the second android that they were gonna find on the planet was supposed to be a female android that was supposed to be um like an emergency protocol droid that would only like animate, like if there was an emergency and then that female droid was going to be a love interest for data. Oh, wow. No, I had no idea. That's so fascinating. So you know who came up with the idea of the evil twin? Brent Spiner. Wow. Hashtag genius. That's the, that's the actor who plays data. So that was his idea, which is freaking brilliant. love that. I love that. And also part of me is like, is he just, is, did he just want like double screen time? I don't know. It was brilliant. Cause, cause data actually also, pl- this is a little bit of a spoiler, but data also plays Nunyan Sung, who is the creator of mm-hmm. both data and lore mm-hmm. that, that character comes into the, to show like, I don't know, many seasons from now. Yeah. And it's also played by data uh, by Sprint Spiner. Mm-hmm. And it's like so fun to see him in all these different roles. So you know, I'm glad that they didn't go the Android love interest. And I'm glad that they're always like, you know, when data does have a love interest, it's a human because it's mm-hmm. just that, that dynamic is so much funnier than it would be in Android. Two robots. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love seeing Brent Spiner show his chops a little bit. Yeah. as lore because lore is like such a baddie and and like a deliciously bad one too like he just mm-hmm. revels in like the chaos that he causes and we're so used to seeing brent spiner play this like i mean robotic isn't even the word right <laughs> because right no. that's exactly what he is right he's just this very straight 
like android so for him to play in the same makeup and costume like this like guy who like rebels and like being bad like who's such a little trickster Mm-hmm. It's super fun. So listeners, um, we have on our website, Sharice, by the way, I'm just going to toot your horn for you. Sharice is the bomb at like website design and created a whole page for these different characters. So if you have a favorite character, you can go onto our website and click on the character name and find episodes that really center on them. Um, and we have a section called villains for those of you who maybe flunked out of Starfleet Academy and (laughs) (laughs) lore is one of the featured baddies on the show. So this episode is going to (laughs) be probably under data and under lore and it's pretty called data lore. So (laughs) yeah. And, um, our website, by the way, is the TNG podcast.com and you can check out, check out whatever I've created over there. Uh, Yeah. I love it. I geeked out over like the design that you mm-hmm. did, like the graphics. Ah, they look so good. You guys definitely Thank check it you. out. She did such an amazing job. <laughs> I oh, love it. Thanks. One of my overall thoughts about this episode was, so Lore always calls Data brother. Mm-hmm. And I think he calls him Data like twice in this episode, but that's weird. So in the future, Laura comes back many, many, many times. Mm-hmm. And he always calls Data brother, which I think is so sweet and endearing. I actually have a little brother. Um, he's a grown man. He's like 25, but I, he's, I still call him little brother. Of course. Um, and you know, I call my brother, brother all the time. Like I almost never use his actual name. So when I hear Laura doing that, it always makes me think of such an affectionate, like dear, you know, endearing term of affection. And what struck me for the first time watching this episode is I was like, you know, that's such an endearing term for like the worst brother in the world. Yeah, yeah. He is a horrible brother. He uses this sweet, affectionate term, but he's the worst. I feel like he uses it divisively, like to remind Data, like it's just you and me. Right. And that's it. So you better do what I want you to do, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. Like I sort of see it that way. Like somehow it's manipulative. Yeah, it's manipulative. It's like, you are not like one of them. Mm -hmm. You are one of us, brother. Like, don't forget. We haven't seen too many like data heavy episodes. We're still so early in season one, but one of data's like quandaries throughout the entire series is, am I alone in the universe? Is there no one like me? Mm -hmm. And and pretty early on, we recognize like when we meet Lore that like, oh, you're not alone. Like, that's great. Oh my God. Your brother is a freaking psychopathic murderer. (laughs) Yeah. Your brother's a sociopath. Yeah. Yeah. And a murderer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a serial killer. So, so, uh, maybe alone would have been better. You know, I'm just saying, (laughs) which is such a good, which is such a good point because data also struggles with that in the future where he's like, is alone better? Like, you know, if would life be better without lore, but he's like, but he's my brother. And he's like the only other one. Yeah. It's, it's this whole, um, crisis of where Mm -hmm. do you belong in the universe? That is not unique to data. It's how we all feel. We all kind of feel like, is this just me? You know? Yeah. Definitely. Um, all right. So the episode opens with um, the Enterprise passing by Data's planet and Picard and Riker are on the bridge and they're talking and they're like, Data, this is a momentous event for Data, but he really wanted to be alone. Cut to Data practicing sneezing in the mirror. I was like, this is this is kind of funny and it's kind of dumb. It is. It's like this is just a weird scene. It was pretty, it was pretty dumb. <laughs> it was pretty dumb. You know, one of the one of the show writers um or producers, I don't remember exactly who, but I was reading about this in behind the scenes information on the interwebs, said that the look, like the set design and everything of this episode is probably one of the best ones of all of season one, in his opinion. Hmm. He said there were problems with the characterizations 
um, of, of the key players because they were doing things that were out of character often. And something like Data choosing to practice sneezing badly, like in the in the mirror, when mm-hmm. they're coming to like his home world, I don't feel like that's something he would have really been doing normally. Like, I feel like Data, I mean, he's not human, but yeah. I feel like he's also aware enough to be like, I can practice sneezing like any old time. <laughs> but like we're coming on to like my home planet for the first time since I was discovered or reanimated right. or whatever, right? Like right. maybe sneezing is kind of low on the priority list. I actually think that for data, he would have been hyper curious, which, you know, any human would have been curious about their home world, especially if it's a world they haven't been to, you know, they don't recall yeah. and they feel like yeah. orphans. Any human would have been curious. I feel like data would have been hyper curious. Yeah. You know, obviously he would know everything there is to know about this planet already because he's an android and would have researched it because he's always saying, am I alone in the world? But I think coming up to the planet, he would have been doing, you know, crazy sensor sweeps like every 10 seconds. And yeah, like, I think that's, he would have been even more human in this yeah. scenario than less. I, I agree. So, so the sneezing didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So they, so Wesley goes to get data, which I don't know why they send Wesley. Why do they always send Wesley? What's the point of the comm badge people? Later on in this episode, when some like sketchy stuff is happening, they're like, hey, Wesley, why don't you go check it out? What the hell? Why would you send a 15-year-old with no weapons or security training? Yeah, like you have a fleet of security officers on the on the enterprise. That was a bad call. That should have been Yar. That should have been Worf. That should not have been Wesley of all people. So dumb. But so Wesley- Well, the reason they did it, right, is because Wesley's like- one of data's best friends i guess so that that's why they did it because throughout the seasons (laughs) i'm just poo-pooing on that throughout the seasons they try to do this whole you know data's only friends are jordy and wesley Mm -hmm. so i think that's where it was coming from but yeah this was bad call bad calls leadership if something sketchy is going on you don't send wesley you don't send a child with no weapon and no training no training yeah no and no backup either like it's like the Antikins and the Sele all over again <laughs> from the previous episode where the security team was just, just dropping the ball. You know, okay, so let me back up just a second. So Riker, or not Riker, Wesley goes to fetch um, Data, which yes. again, you could have just combadged him, but whatever the hell. So he goes to fetch Data and then they walk onto the bridge from the turbo lift and Riker says, would you like to take us into orbit? Which is a question, but not it's a rhetorical question. It's more like, mm-hmm. hey, take us into orbit. So he says, would you like to take us into orbit? And Data says, no, thank you. Did you notice that? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> Data, who normally would just walk right to his little, like sit in his little chair. And, and the <laughs> random <laughs> extra would just get up and move. He would have just, just pushed all his buttons. Insert button sound here. But he just said, no, thank you. So then like some random person goes in and like takes us into orbit. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Again, the, char- the characterizations, like there were some issues it's with off. the writing okay. there. It's, it's totally off. Um, ooh, there's a shorty uniform right on the bridge, which mm-hmm. I, re- I realized is called a scant, S-K-A-N-T. Mm-hmm. It's called the scant uniform. Last week, we promised we would put an Instagram poll up, the scant uniform slash shorty uniform, hot or not. And I put the poll up. Sharice, do you know the results were 80% hot, 20% wow. not? Even on guys? You know what? I put up, I specifically on our Instagram, the TNG podcast, put up a side-by-side picture of a man in a scant and two females in a scant. And the results were 80% hot, which means 80% of you are wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Because no, 
<laughs> Honestly, whenever I see those outfits, I don't think that they look bad. I think they look cold. Every time I see them, I'm just like, oh, you know, that AC has got to be so high on set and just like, yeah. but maybe it's not. I've never been on a set. I don't know. Those lights might be hot. Maybe you're like, I'm in a scant uniform today. Sweet. Thank God. I, my legs can breathe. Maybe, maybe that's where the phrase scantily clad comes from. Oh my God. From a scant outfit, from something that's half naked. Oh my God. Okay. And a nerd moment is born, you guys, because now, you know, as soon as we stop recording, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be like Googling <laughs> or a boy, whatever, <laughs> or a boy, whatever. <laughs> so 80% of you people, you people, 80% of you guys said it was hot. So you know what? I think you're wrong, but whatever. That's just my opinion. So I, I actually thought that was fascinating. So every yeah. weekend I try to put up a poll. So check us out over the weekend when you are cruising through your feed, having your coffee and living your best life on a Saturday morning and um, vote because I take, I take those polls very seriously. <laughs> yes. She does take them very seriously. And I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was surprised too. I didn't, I didn't see that coming, but, uh, Mm-mm. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a hundred percent. Not I've put up some other polls too, like the Ferengi, um, episode, um, like that they were super racist. Yes. And it was like problematic or just like can't be fun. And a hundred percent of the votes said that they were problematic and racist, which I was like, yay. Our audience is woke. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> so we're, we're all on the same page with that. Scant yeah. uniform, not so much. Yes. So, okay. Can we talk about when they get to the, when they get to the planet? Omicron Theta, which is a dope ass planet name. I gotta it's say. It's so good. It's so good. Actually, when I first heard it, I was like, Omicron Theta, isn't that the same planet they're always talking about on Futurama? But actually, no, that was like per- Omicron Percy I-8. Oh, so it okay. just happened to have the same starting part. But, but I was like, oh my gosh, I know this planet, but no, I don't. So they get to the planet and um, they're, they, they get to the, the stone where Data's body was found. Okay. It's like a plinth. It's yeah. Cool. It's like a plinth. Wow. Look at that word. Okay. Yeah. I'm fancy today. Okay. Super fancy. <laughs> so, um, so then Jordy's like, wait a minute, there's a hidden door here. And I was like, boom, Jordy's supervision to the rescue again. Yep. Like yep. how cool is this guy? So, so Jordy they find is the, so cool. He's so cool. So they find the hidden trap door and they go in. And the first thing that I noticed, I don't know if you picked up on this, Andrea, but the first thing that I noticed as they're walking through this kind of like, just totally abandoned like corridor lab space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the corridor. And then this lab space. Cause it's got like, you know, bubbling flasks. That's how, you know, it's a lab. So they come <laughs> to this lab space and I noticed cartoons, like these little cartoon drawings everywhere that looks like kids drew of the crystalline entity, which is the bad guy in this episode. The crystalline entity. Yeah. Besides lore, it's the other bad guy in this episode. It's the subplot bad guy. <laughs> it's a subplot because we always need one of those. <laughs> so so I see all these pictures of like the crystalline entity with people running for their lives. Like and sad faces. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, who drew these? If these were the colonists' children drawing pictures of the crystalline entity, weren't they also being attacked by the crystalline entity at the time that they were making these sketches? Oh my and, God. Wait, follow-up question. And if they weren't, why are they putting up pictures of this? You know what? Damn, Sharice. Okay. Deep, right? You're fancy. I'm deep. That's what is going on today. I was like, this is the TNG podcast starring fancy and deep. Okay. (laughs) Although this sounds like stripper names. So we're going to, we're just going to abandon that very quickly. (laughs) We'd be making better money than we do as teachers. Just saying. Hashtag just saying. (laughs) 
Hashtag um, teachers need a damn raise. But yeah, okay, so <laughs> you know what? You're right. I didn't consider that. I had other thoughts about the lab, but but you're right. You're right. Because it's like it's it's like as if somebody dies in an airplane crash. And you see sketches of someone drawing us dying in an airplane yeah, crash. Yeah, so it's like you, you don't have time to do that. Like, when would you have done that? And had you had time, why would your parents be like, oh, honey, that's a great picture of that plane yeah. crash. Let's put that all over the lab walls. Here's this horrible traumatic thing. Yeah, we've already established they don't have fridges in the 24th century. That's right. So they couldn't <laughs> put the pictures on the fridge, but they did put them on every wall space available in the lab. And I was like, that is some odd set dressing. It mm-hmm. makes sense, right? Because it's like, what's nice it's about it? It's a clue. Yeah, it's giving you this subtle little hint, like, hmm, something, something weird's going on here. And it's like all abandoned and very I am legend, you know, so you're kind of like, oh, what's going on? But at the same time, I was just like, what? That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it would have been more sense right. if it was just like happy colonists farming or like, whatever the heck Yeah, they did. yeah, like Christmas dinner or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I had thoughts about the equipment in the lab. Like, it was a very cool set. It was so um, cool. I like the laser beam. You know what? It looked like a cathode ray tube. That was the first yeah. thing I thought of. Yep. I was like, cathode ray tubes. Oh my gosh. For those of you who don't know what that is, Google it. It's cool. It's like <laughs> science 101. <laughs> pretty, is pretty neat. Anyway, here's my thing about the lab. Mm-hmm. It's been abandoned for 26 years since the crystalline entity came and wiped everything away and everything still works. Yeah. Give me a break. No, no. There's no dust. The, the lights came on. Well, there's never dust in space. Don't ask me why. <laughs> there's never dust. Never spider webs, never dust. Right. Um, but here's the thing. When they came in, kind of like the lights came on and everything came on. So my thinking was it's just like the auto shut off. You know how like with motion sensing lights and stuff, oh, they go yeah. off when you leave. So that was my thought. It's just everything. We did just have like, those. We did have those in my lab. We had those like auto lights. But on the show, I'm like, yeah, so maybe if all the energy just went off, because you know the, those energy whatever they use for energy or whatever those yeah the things they use for energy last forever and ever on planets not so much on spaceships but whatever I don't know (laughs) well that that bothered me a little bit that I was like why would everything be working perfectly after a quarter of a century but whatever um okay I had this like Brent Spiner crossover moment yeah when they looked into that like cloudy <gasps> yes. when, okay. when there was the fog and steam yes. and stuff mm-hmm. with the light glass did that remind you of independence day not until you just said it right now okay so brett spiner who plays data plays a scientist on the will smith blockbuster independence day and at one point he's like taken over by these aliens and attacked and they slam his body up against the glass mm-hmm. and he's speaking with this like creepy raspy yeah, voice they like and wrap their little tentacles around his throat and yes. then they speak through him yes yeah, so he's speaking like for the aliens but he's against the glass and there's all this fog behind so you can't really see anything but him so you can't see the alien no oh. and it's that's that's a super cool moment right that's there. that's one like, of i think that's one of his best scenes in all the movies I've seen him in. So not the voice acting, but yeah, in all the movies I've seen him, I think that's one of his best scenes because you 100% believe that the alien is speaking through him. It's not an actor speaking with a creepy voice. It is an alien controlling a scientist who is definitely dead for sure. He's or gonna die or whatever. Like he's not making it, he's not making it out of this scene, right? Like, I think that was just a powerful, a really powerful scene. One of my faves of Brent Spiner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when they, when they were looking into that cloudy storage area, I was like, oh my God, Independence Day. Like that's a hundred percent what I thought of. Um, so, okay. So they find, bum, bum, bum. They find robot parts or Android parts, mm-hmm. um, that look like data, which I don't know about you, Sharice, but that like face, like the little foam head that they yeah. use. Yeah. I was like, I see that you were trying to make them look like data, uh-huh. but what? 
that didn't look anything remotely like data. I'm going to pull the 1987 card. I'm just going to pull that <laughs> okay. card. Every time we have a situation where we're like, wait a minute, why does their sp- stunt double have black hair when they have blonde hair? We're just going to pull a 1987 <laughs> card that with the, the quality wasn't HD at the time. It probably looked pretty good on our tiny little screens, like really fuzzy. Like it probably looked really good. Could I use that as an excuse for my life too. Like when you did this as a kid, it was really messed up. Could I just be like, it was 1987. I know I, I do. Mean, I was, I was five. I was five in 1987. So I could still be like 87, man. What are you going to do? It was 87. Fucking rough time for everybody. Gotta, just got to let it go at some point. You got to let it go. So then they bring, so they bring these parts back to the ship. Yep. And Argyle is back. Yes. Argyle. Let me tell you something, Andrea. It was not until we did this show, one we're doing right now, that I even knew anything of this man, Argyle. And now he's becoming kind of a thing. So Jaeger plays Argyle, which by the way, Biff Jaeger, that's a fucking badass name. They should have just called him that, except for it would have been too back to the future, but true. True. Yeah. So I guess they couldn't have. That poor actor must've gotten so much shit (laughs) having the name Biff after post- Back to the Future, but yeah, yep. Argyle's there. This is his second and last appearance <gasps> oh, as chief this engineer. Is it. See, I was gonna say I want to see like when he kind of disappears for good, but now I know the answer to that. Bye, Surprise. bye, Argyle. <laughs> Thanks, Argyle. Thanks for your help. We Thank you for your service. You. We'll drop you off at Starbase. Yeah, he's working on um, putting lore together, which is pretty cool. Yes, so they're putting lore together. It's kind of like you know, I think I don't remember who it is, but I think some somebody at some point has a little bit of like should we be doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think someone asks and data's just like, how could we not? Like, I have to know. And I, I feel that I feel that if that was me in that situation and I was an Android thinking I'm alone in the world, I'd be like, heck yeah, we have to do this. Um, what, what really was interesting to me was that it was Argyle and all the engineers putting together lore because, um, my immediate thought was that it would be data that put together lore yeah. because data knows everything about Android parts, everything I thought, you know, but, um, but in this, but it does make sense for a team of engineers to try to figure it out. And then they also had Beverly helping out, which also made sense because it's like, well, (sighs) this Android is also biologically synthetic, like made to be like a biological entity. I I'm glad that you said that because I had a different opinion. I was like, Beverly, what are you even doing here? Like we're building a robot. My first thought, my first thought was like, why is she there? But then my second thought was like, no, but the robot is created to be just like a human. Mm. So, so they are going to know the technical, this type of thing has to connect to this type of thing. Like as far as, you know, cathodes, anodes, all of that, Mm -hmm. but she's going to know, oh no, this is an artery. This is a vein. You know what? You know what I mean? She's going to know like how the pieces should look, but they're going to know how the pieces need to connect. So I was like, okay. All right. Well, and we get to see more Beverly and we're all Beverly stands. So it's okay. (laughs) <laughs> so whatever more Beverly on the screen good time so he, but here's a moment between Data and Beverly that again I thought the characterization was off when he pulls Beverly aside to show her the like on off switch His off switch mm-hmm. yes and he's very secretive about that and very much like hey keep this to yourself they kind of explained it in a little bit where he's like if you had an off switch would you want everybody to know about it and Beverly's like yeah good call but I thought it's not like Data to be secretive about anything I would think he's just very matter of fact about, I have this switch. Um, so I don't know. That just felt like not data. It didn't feel data to me. And also that he would tell Beverly and not Jordy or Argyle. I mean, Argyle is putting together the new robot. So he's the one who actually needs the information. Yeah. But like, as far as like confidants, 
even though he's not a super secretive person, whenever he has a question about humanity, yeah. um, sometimes he'll just ask where, like, sometimes he'll ask everybody on the ship. He'll be like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> but other times when he realizes people are giving him weird reactions, cause he's really good at reading people. Mm-hmm. We'll go to Jordy. He'll be like, Jordy, what, what's this about? What's that about? You know, that's kind of his. So I was kind of like, Beverly, why, yeah, why he, Beverly? Why Beverly? That's yeah. Random, it just, but, see, again, whatever, but that, but that was the writing. It just didn't feel whatever. Okay. So lore is now ta-da. animated. He's animated. And he says, um, data came first and then I was built second because he was like unperfect and, I, and I'm perfect or whatever. And then we very quickly learned that that's a lie. The lie detector determined that was a lie. Okay. <laughs> but I love Picard. I love how Picard picked up on that immediately, how he was talking to data. He was just like, I don't know that, fr- that statement he said was kind of like, you know, that was kind of catty. You know, that was kind of like, I don't know. He said, you're imperfect. Why would he say something like that? And yeah. data is quick to be like, well, he was just stating a matter of fact. It's probably. true. Yeah. You know, it's probably true. He, I, he probably is more perfect than me, but I love how Picard even picked up on that. Like what kind of a comment is that? Like that sounds a little kind of, you know, confrontational or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, way to, way to go to, to like notice something's off here. Yeah. And I think, I think that's, remember when we had one of our special guests, PJ on the show um, to talk about where no one has gone before. He said that one of the things he hates about certain episodes or like one of the things that drives him crazy in episodes is when somebody notices that something is wrong, but nobody else notices. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking back, I was thinking about PJ as I was reviewing this episode. Cause I thought, Oh, it's the same thing. Like later on in the episode, we see lore start to be like deceitful, right. When mm-hmm. he's like pretending to not know like how ship's navigation works, but then Riker trips him up with that square root of the hypotenuse question. And then, yeah. and then, um, you know, Wesley is like, I think it's lore, not data. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're and like, everybody's, shut up, boy. Yeah, they start, this is the first time we really start seeing the shut up Wesleys. And I felt so bad for him. And like, that made me, that makes me anxious because if somebody's trying to explain something that's wrong and no one's listening, mm-hmm. it's like, stop for a second. Like, get out of your ego. I know he's just a child, but like, listen, he's already yes. saved your ass like 10 times. A million times. It's like the Wesley Crusher show. Yeah, so, yeah. so one part of me, whenever that happens, part of me is always like, no, you guys need to listen. But the other stronger part of me is on, is really like victimizing the victim, right? I'm always like, you need to be more clear with what you're trying to say. Stop saying, hey guys, guys, hey guys, guys, yes. listen, guys, I want to tell you something. Guys. Why are you saying that? No, don't even say, start with like, hey, that's lore. That's not data. Yeah. And here's why. Like say, state your freaking point and then back it up. Don't spend 10 minutes going, but, but, but no, but captain, but no, but will anybody listen? <laughs> but, but if somebody listens to me, then I'll explain it. Like you've just wasted 10 minutes. No one wants to hear you anymore. You're super annoying. We've already yeah. told you to stop. Like, <laughs> like part of me is like, yeah, they should listen. But the other part of me is like, you need to be more clear. You need to say the most important thing first Yep. and then say all the other, but, 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 but guys, after yeah. you've like stated your case. So that always, that always makes me frustrated actually. I, you know what? I, I agree. I think, and I think that's obviously if we treat these characters as though they were real people, it's like, Wesley, just speak up and like spit it out, spit it out. Spit it out, kids, spit Um, it out. However, however, let's keep in mind that he's 15. How many self-possessed 15 year olds do you know that are like, issue the first, this is lore. That's true. And kids do not do it that way, right? They, they just say whatever comes to their mind first. However, this is a trope that is in like every movie and TV show. So like, it like, yes, in this case with Wesley, yes, but we've seen this. We just saw this a couple episodes ago when the captain got possessed by the electricity monster. And instead of people <laughs> just being like straightforward and saying, Hey, you know, instead they're doing all this, like walking around and saying, you know, I think maybe kind of, it's like, 
this is wasting so much time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And, and the shut up Wesley was super harsh. Beverly was like, what? And then Beverly goes, shut up, Wesley. I was like, even you, Beverly, you, how dare you? So, okay. Well, let's just break down what our podcast is about. We enjoy a good victim shaming. (laughs) (laughs) And then we also enjoy a good victim defending. So (laughs) equal, equal opportunity with shaming and defending. Yes. I mean, listen, I, you know, I've seen that on shows so many times, um, where the child has noticed that something is wrong and the adults are too busy being adults to not notice or whatever. And they're going, but dad, but dad, but dad, over and over again, you're like, just yeah. And there's like a monster about to eat them standing right behind them. And the kid's like, but, 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 but there really is. And then if you think about it's over, if you do think about though, (laughs) the way that adults for the most part treat children, it's that you're a child. So you're down here and I'm an adult. I'm up here. So when Mm -hmm. a child has to confront an adult, they're not trained they don't right. have that in them to be like, Hey, dumbass, stop what you're doing and listen to me now. Right. Like they're like, but I, right. well, uh, they're apologetic for even having to speak up. So, right. I mean, I get it. I get it, but, but I, I, mean, I totally too. get it too. I totally get it too. But, and I think that those children become adults who do the same thing. Right. Because even just saying, listen to me, listen to me, li-, like that, that's not effective either. You need Mm-mm. to just spit it out. And then you can say, listen to me later. Like you yeah. need to be like, he's Lord, there's a monster under the bed. Someone's going to shoot you in the face. Start with that and then do the, <laughs> listen to me, guys, listen, like do that yeah. later. But like people never start with like the most critical <laughs> information up yep. front. <laughs> yep. So, so, all right. Since we've done bashed Wesley good, <laughs> actually yeah. Wesley, not Wesley so to the rescue, you know, yeah, Wesley rescue, to the rescue, Wesley, you know, Will Wheaton, we're not bashing Wesley, actually. What we're bashing is the writing because that was annoying. That was annoying. Um, I really don't like the shut up Wesleys. I know that like people think it's funny, but I think it's just abusive and mean and whatever. That's I think it's rude. I think it's It's rude. rude. Yeah. And I don't care that he's a kid. You don't talk to somebody like that. No, you just, you don't, you don't. Um, All right. So we start to see that Laura is deceitful and he starts talking to Data about Dr. Nguyen Soong, who is their um, creator. Mm -hmm. And... Fun fact, Dr. Nguyen Soon was named by Gene Roddenberry after a World War II friend of his, Kim Nguyen Singh, actually. Hmm. Interesting. So we see, um, we saw, what was it, in the Electricity Monster, where the Lonely Among Us episode, um, the engineer, his last name was Singh, spelled the same way, S-I-N-G-H. Oh. Um, so, it, hey, if I were writing a show or a story or a book, I would incorporate people's names that like people that I knew into the, mm-hmm. into the characters. So, um, we talk about Dr. Nguyen Soong and obviously Laura's got some sort of daddy complex, like hating his yeah. father kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and data doesn't get it, which why would he? Cause he doesn't have emotions and he can't feel jealousy or rage or whatever. Um, but then we, we realized fairly quickly in the episode that it was this crystalline entity that wiped out the entire planet mm-hmm. and it got there because Lore learned how to communicate with it and like learned that it survives by like consuming living material. Mm-hmm. And so basically just like invited it to come eat everybody, to the planet and kill everybody, which what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it's not cool. And, and really, and there isn't a whole lot of like background information. Like why would he you does say, I mean, he does say that the entire, so he has this monologue. Yay for monologues. He's Woo-hoo! got a monologue going on with data where he's saying, you know, dad made me to be perfect Mm. and I was so perfect that all of the um villagers all the colonists 
were jealous of me. They were so jealous of how perfect I was and they all wanted him to dismantle me. So I sick the crystalline entity on them mm. right before they dismantled me. Oh, okay. So he sent out the beacon to be like, oh yeah, you want to destroy me? Well, I'm going to destroy you, do- destroy you. Mm-hmm. So the crystalline entity is now like on its way from wherever the heck it lives. And at that time he was all disassembled and put into parts. Mm. And then, you know, and they've already got data in the works. I'm guessing they started working on data once they figured out lore was mm, maybe not the perfect, <laughs> yeah, maybe a bad egg, not the perfect son. And so So then, you know, they're trying to hurriedly put data together, you know, hurriedly download the memories because now Laura is all locked up, but they know the crystalline entity is coming and they know how it rolls. Mm -hmm. So they're all rushing to throw in their memories into data, putting him up on the, what'd you call that thing? A pith? What's it called? A plinth. A plinth. Yeah. It's it's like a stone like platform. So putting him on the the stone table and then, (laughs) you know, they all get whatever disintegrated, sucked up, whatever the crystalline entity does. So he did say like he, he was a mass murderer out of jealousy. However, (laughs) then he calls the crystalline entity to come and destroy everybody on the enterprise. Which with no reason, like what, what's the provocation? Yeah. Like what's the purpose? Like this is basically now has a taste for blood. You've got no excuse now. I think that's, I think this is eighties bad guy trope right here. You're bad (laughs) just for the sake of being bad, but you have no backstory. This is something that I, something that I really enjoy about movies today is that we see a lot of like backstory, like Joker, for example. Like we see like what drove him into insanity. Mm -hmm. I didn't personally see it because I can't do scary movies because then I can't sleep. (laughs) So I can't do that. (laughs) However, when you see- We're guessing that's what happened in that movie. Well, I mean, like, you you know, like in the Batman world, like Joker's a bad guy. And even just watching the trailer and like little snippets, it's like he starts off like, okay, and Mm okay-ish. And then kind of descends into madness, right? So I like movies that give you like the reasoning why the bad guy is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Not a bad guy who just like has a taste for badness. Like that's so dumb to me. Like you're going to lure the crystalline entity to the enterprise when they've been nothing but nice to you. Like for what? Like for what? And also like, what are you getting out of it? Like the crystalline entity is going to be grateful, but then what are you actually getting out of it? There's yeah, not going to be a spaceship. Like, can, like it can't pay you, or it can't give you anything. It can't. You can't, can't even hit your, anything. You can't even hitch a ride on the damn thing to like the you next can't star hitch system. A ride. Nope. Nothing. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Cool fact though about the crystalline entity, which by the way, such a beautiful like structure. Oh my gosh, that was gorgeous. So pretty. See, we were we were complaining about the space net that looked so like 1980s video game. <laughs> But this is the opposite of that, right? Yeah. This is beautiful. I don't know how they created this. Thi- I'm guessing they made a model of something. Oh, you know. I'm you glad know you asked. I'm Well, you didn't ask. I'm glad you mentioned that because <laughs> I found out that the crystalline entity display is the very first time that CGI was used on Star Trek TNG. That's no the way. First, that is the first CGI in basically the whole Star Trek universe because they didn't use CGI in right. the original series. Well, so, thank God, because CGI is very cool and it makes the show uh, so much better. It looks so good. It looks so good. So if they didn't use CGI for like Q's net, I don't know what they used, but it looked ridiculous. But the crystal entity looked badass. It looked amazing. It was so pretty. And the I was colors, like, like it was wow. like the, it was like that opalescenty, like ah, uh, it looked amazing. Mm-hmm. It looked super cool. So that's the and first time. an entity made out of crystals, like a big scary killer snowflake. It's yes. fascinating. Yes. That's that can travel, that can travel like at warp like, 10. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like back to the Ferengi. It's like back to the Ferengi pool noodles, right? Where you're just like, yeah. huh, I never would have thought of a weapon 
of a pool noodle that shoots lightning. Like that feels very futuristic to me where it's not like a modification on the today, but it's just like, yes. what? And, a killer and also, snowflake? You know, honestly, I think big kudos to the writers on this. Like the characterizations of this, of some of our key players was off, I think. But if I were a writer and somebody said, create a killer something, like some killer alien that we're going to have on TNG, mm-hmm. I would have created some humanoid-ish looking yeah. thing. I wouldn't you think just made like, Klingons. I wouldn't think, I would not think that like a snowflake that, that consumes Absorbs energy. living matter. Yeah. Like that's, that's a, that's a super dope like concept. Mm-hmm. Um, and the name of it too, like the, you know, when they, when they meet the Borg in like season three or whatever, Guinan is like, oh, they're called the Borg. Like this is their right. MO. We mm-hmm. don't even have a name for this thing. And so they just call it a crystalline entity, which basically just means a thing that has a crystalline structure which I think is super cool. It's not even like, oh, this is called a Gamora or whatever, right? right like right. it doesn't even have a name. It's like crystalline thing. Entity. Yeah, it's got no name. It's got no history. They know nothing about this organism. The only people who've seen it before, as far as they know, are the colonists. And the only reason they know is because Lore has the knowledge. Data doesn't even have the knowledge because he was, you know, they uploaded all the memories with him being, you know, um, inactive laying on the stone table. But Lore knew everything about it because- he had sicked it on them, right? So it's like, they don't even have the history of this this creature or know its name or know it's, are yeah. there more like it or just any of that? It's just this lone snowflake in space, which is pretty Yes, amazing. and it's the only one like it, which I think actually is pretty, has an interesting parallel to like Data wondering if he's alone on yeah. the, in the universe. And then you have this one lone entity that's like roaming around, just like destroying things. Kind of like Lore, right? Because Lore is destroying things just for funsies. Mm-hmm. The, the crystalline <laughs> entity- is destroying things for like survival, yeah. but it probably does not conceive. So, I mean, they're both destructive, right? That's the comparison. Yeah. But what's different is that the crystalline entity probably does not conceive of itself as a destroyer. Mm-hmm. It's just eating. Well, that's what we think when we eat chicken nuggets. We haven't thought about the chicken that was murdered to make our chicken nuggets, right? Thank like you, chicken. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Lore is now starting to sort of show his colors to Data. You know, they're talking together, which Brent Spiner does an amazing job. I don't know how, you know, when you watch like 80s movies and TV shows, you can see the CGI is like really cheesy. They do such a great job, even when like the episode where we have the two Rikers later on. Yeah. They do such a great job of filming like face to face and side to side that like you can't tell, like I can't tell Mm -hmm. how like the film is spliced together, but it's It's very, very parent trap. That's what Mm -hmm. it made me think of. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, it's the parent trap. And so then I went and watched both versions of the parent trap. (laughs) (laughs) After watching Data Lore. (laughs) You know, I gotta say, I gotta say, okay. Not parent trap, but this is, this episode, you guys, we're just going on these like random ass tangents. So it's summertime right now um, when we're recording and I am like a huge like child basically. So I love watching like my summer movies and every, every summer I have to watch like the Sandlot and like get my popcorn in and like all this stuff. But my husband was like, you know, I wasn't raised on TV, but my husband totally, he always jokes that he was. And he's like, if you want a really good summer flick, you need to watch Stand By Me, like a child, oh, like a yes. kid adventure. And it starts with the Wheaton. whole reason why Will Wheaton is in Star Trek. Is oh my God. He was famous off of that. That's yes. why he's in the yes. show. Yeah. He was already famous from Stand By Me. So we watched it last summer and I fell in love with it so That's hard. So, so now it's like one of the movies that we watch every summer, like at least, at least once a summer, we watch The Sandlot and Stand By Me. And then, you know, that we movie watch- makes me boohoo cry. That's another one. I didn't cry on Sandlot, but I definitely cry over Stand By Me. Sandlot just makes me want to like ride my bike and 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 like eat hot dogs and fireworks and play baseball. Yeah, mm-hmm. but like Stand By Me, God, that movie yeah. 
still so like, good. Um, all right. But anyway, back to, back to the show. So lore has now gone full psycho and he's deactivated data and has switched outfits uh, switched his outfit, which I always think, I wish they would show that on camera just to show how freaking difficult that would actually be. Because have you ever tried to dress a mannequin at a store? Like I haven't, but I imagine no. how, how difficult that must be for like retail I'm thinking probably like parents could appreciate that for when your kids like dead sleep and they're trying to take off their clothes and put on their PJs or whatever. And it's just like, you're just trying to like, what? And they're like little, right? And then a right. grown man passed out. Like, and you're trying to like take off the shirt and totally dead. Yeah. No, 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 yeah no. But I don't know. They're androids, I guess. Uh, whatever. So, <laughs> you know, like you've got Android strength. I'm sure you could flip them around and said, whatever, who the hell knows? <laughs> now he's on the bridge and being he's super sketchy, being super sketchy. And this is when we have the whole shut up Wesley thing, which I hate. Um, but we've already talked about that. But so the crystalline entity is now shown itself. It's poking its crystalline structure through the shields. Things are getting bad. And finally, somebody's listening to Wesley, who again, we're the reason that we're getting out of this mess yet again, Wesley. Mm-hmm. How incompetent, oh God, Inco- incompetence. It's just, it's just incompetence. Staggering? Everywhere. It's, yes, the incompetence is staggering on the Enterprise. But Wesley has convinced his mom, Dr. Beverly, to like go over to like the quarters and they discovered that like it's actually Data, who's like unconscious and in Lore's clothes. So they have this big showdown at the cargo bay. Um, and <laughs> Lore shoots a phaser at Beverly. It just lights her sleeve on fire, which kills yeah, me. Yeah, I wrote, I wrote in my notes, wait a minute, did he set the phaser to torch? <laughs> I was like, since when can phasers do that? I love that he's an android, so he can aim with lethal, Perfectly. Yeah. perfect, like perfection. But he ends up mostly just getting sort of the wall and just a little bit of her sleeve. And then you see the stunt double running away with the, the like shoulder of her lab coat on fire. And I thought that was the funniest effing thing. That just cracked me up. It just cracked me up. And then when you see her again, so Laura and Data are having this whole battle. Data is like, Wesley, the transporter. Wesley does some transport magic and they to transport. Save, to save the ship yet again. Yet again. Wesley to the 15 year old to the rescue. Um, and so they transport Laura out into outer space. And then inexplicably... The crystalline entity is like, all right, and just disappears. Like, I don't get yeah. that at all. Well, I don't either, except for the fact that that Lore had told the crystalline entity, I'm going to give you the the code, like, I'm going to give you the frequency you need to cut through the um, actual shields. Mm. And that's why he was down there in the cargo bay, because he was going to, like, drop the shields and, like, give the whatever. And so the crystalline, crystalline entity could come in and, like, gobble everybody up. But then when Lore was, like, ejected, because the crystalline entity, entity is sentient my thinking is it was like oh wait you're out here so if you're out here guess i'm not getting in okay whatever i was gonna eat this other planet anyways when you called me so i'm just gonna go back <laughs> what you- i was doing you know why you you just do you i'm because i mean like you said you can't hit your ride so he's probably just like oh snap that's lore okay back to what i was doing <laughs> that's kind of what i figured i was like he can't get in so he just moves on with whatever he was doing before honestly I thought you were already able to kind of poke through the shields. He gave up too easily is what you're saying. Yeah. You were able to poke through like 10 minutes ago. And now that lore is not on the ship, you don't have to worry about damaging like your buddy. That's going to feed you even more planets. So like have at it. It's like a buffet. It doesn't make any sense at all to be like, boop, you know, on the screen, he just disappears from nothing. Like what, what, what? Yeah, that was, that was dumb. Anyway, uh, the writing on the episode not A plus, but the special effects A plus. 
A plus plus. Yeah. And then at the end of the episode, Picard and Riker are talking and they're just like, well, back to duty. La 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 la. <laughs> yeah. I was like, um, wait a minute. Uh, you guys owe Wesley an apology yet again. 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 You owe him a major apology. Somebody needs to do a debrief with with data. Where is Troy at? Like he needs some yep. therapy. He's going to yep. have some PTSD about, I, I get he's an Android, but he also has thoughts. He just met his brother. His brother was evil. His brother turned him off. His brother tried to eat all his friends. Like yep. there's some processing going on here. And it was just like, well, on to what we were doing before, sir. Let's go. Yes. Like, yes. It's like set course for Starbase, whatever the hell. Like, <laughs> yeah. What? And I don't want a moral of the story, right? We all know that I do not like that. However, she does there not. was also no closure in this story. There was mm-hmm. no like, you know, Wes, to be honest, we didn't take you seriously because again, we, we don't, we don't respect you. We're, you're a child. We don't respect you. Don't we li- but you know what? You were right this time. Our apologies. Yep. You don't even have to promise to try to listen yep. next time. Just to be like, you know what? You were right. Thanks for saving the day. Or like, Beverly, I'm so glad your arm wasn't burned off. Or like, wow, Data, it sucks that Lore was a horrible, per- you know, a horrible brother and a horrible android or something. Little tidbit. So he shoots Beverly and lights her sleeve on fire or her shoulder of her lab coat on fire. And then when she rushes back in, she's not wearing her lab coat, but she's like not burned or singed or smoking or anything, <laughs> which I was like, oh, oh okay. She, so got, she got it off in time. Yeah, I guess we're just gonna- And there are no day. sprinklers on the on Enterprise, the Enterprise? <laughs> Yeah, where I was like, what do you do with that? Um, also- they just open up a little bit of space and let all the oxygen suck right? and turn the also- fire down. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that for the first time. Do yeah. you remember when we saw Picard when he was hit um, in the battle, when he was hallucinating about the fires on the bridge? Yes. It just, it just right now, this moment was like, wait a minute, there are no sprinklers on the Enterprise. And that seems like a safety feature. We you don't need no need. sprinklers. We don't need no stinking wow. sprinklers in space. Okay. <laughs> well, apparently she stopped, dropped and rolled or something. She did something. <laughs> she got that coat off. She was good. She was like, and I'm done. Let me go hug my son. Also, Tasha and her incompetent ass security team yet again rolls in 35 seconds after the action is over. You know, coming in phasers hot and... Yeah. We're already like in the debrief. Like, where have you been? Yeah. Where have you been? You clearly haven't been working because they sent Wesley to go investigate. They sent Wesley <laughs> to go do the- So they're sitting there eating their Cheetos and watching yeah. Parisi Squares while Wesley's doing all the security legwork. And then yeah. you guys have the audacity to bust in late. How dare you? How dare How you? How about, I thought you were going to mention this because you told me something about this off camera. There's the part where, where Data's like, or where Picard's like, go with them. And Worf and like two other security officers go with Lore. They're going to the to the cargo oh, bay. Right? Yeah. He's like, yeah, go go with him. And they're like, okay. So they go with him to the cargo bay. So Worf enters the the turbo lift, and Lore is just like emergency shut. You know, it closes yes. the other two guys out. And Worf's like, wait, what? And then like in two seconds, yes. Lore has him on the ground. Oh my god, I was dying because you could see on Worf's face where he was like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Right? And then he just gets his ass added to him. So <laughs> there is a TV trope called the Worf effect, which cracks me up. For those of you who have not heard of it, the Worf which effect- I had not heard of this before Andrea <laughs> told me. This was a little bit of a terrifying scene because you're like, the minute you walk in and he goes, emergency closed, and you're like- You know, something's te- something has gone terribly wrong. You're about to get it bad. So the Worf effect is- is something that came across obviously because of Star Trek TNG uh, or it was named because of it, but it, it happens all the time in all variety of like movies and TV shows. The wharf effect is this. If you want to show how dangerous 
a new character is, you have them beat the shit out of the toughest, baddest character on the show. So Worf is seen as like the biggest, the baddest, the toughest, he's the Klingon, he's the warrior. But Worf routinely gets his ass handed to him throughout the series because you have all these like new bad guys come in, like the Borg or Q or Lore, <laughs> just to name a few. And then they just beat the daylights out of him. <laughs> and in then, like two seconds. And then the audience member goes, oh shit, like he's a really bad, he's a really tough like bad guy, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the Worf effect. What were your, were there any like final thoughts? I feel like we have squeezed this lemon for everything it is worth. Yeah. Any Um, closing thoughts? I feel bad for Data because even though he's an android and like he, he doesn't feel like emotions, he's had this like quest to find out if he's alone in the universe. So to find out that you're not alone but actually better off alone, like that's kind of heartbreaking. It's a little bit sad. It, it honestly reminds me of like cases where you hear people like come forward in the news to be like, I did not know that like my dad was a serial killer in the seventies or whatever. And I didn't know until after they died where it's like, how do you even begin to reconcile that? Mm -hmm. Right. Where it's Mm -hmm. like somebody that you loved or, or in data's case, like somebody that you didn't even know existed, but then once you find out they do, they're Mm -hmm. horrible. Like that, I, my heart kind of broke for him a little bit. How about you? Yeah. I mean, I didn't think about that until you said it right now. I just thought about how like, he just really sucks as a brother. Like he just really sucks as a brother. He would be, if he were not Data's twin, right. Mm -hmm. It would be emotionally less heart-wrenching. Yeah. If he was just some guy, if he was just a Ferengi, you'd be like, whatever. Or even even just an Android, like another Android. Yeah. Or just another, yeah. Or just another Android. If he was, yeah. But the fact that it's like, it's data's twin, it's just as like, it's kind of, you know, we, we talked about this a little bit in our last episode, even though we, we cut that from the, from the final recording, but we talked about what it would be like to like play the opposite of yourself on a show, which Mm -hmm. data gets, which Brett Spiner gets to do here as data. And so well, so well. And Dr. Soon, totally different. So, oh, he's so good. Every time the characters get to do a little swap, it's, it's fun, but, um, it's just like, but thinking as a, as I am now, if I had a twin sister and I didn't know that, and it was my long lost twin sister and I got to know her and it turns out she's like a a serial killer. I mean, that would just really suck because not only is it like, yeah, not only is it something that you were excited about that now feels like it was stolen or tainted, but also they have my face, right? So it's like, I'm looking at me doing horrible things. Yeah. You identify as them. Yeah. That's really, ugh. Well, um, Jesus, we've covered kind of everything we need to. We found our um, Star Trek stripper names by accident. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We have defended Wesley as a victim. We have bashed Wesley as a victim. Mm -hmm. Yep. (laughs) So got some levels unlocked. Yeah. (laughs) In this episode. (laughs) I feel like we've leveled up. All right. Um, So Sharice, next week we're diving into Angel One and I'm pretty psyched because we have a special guest who's going to hang with us and talk um, about some important like key parts of that episode. So guys, We love having you with us and we hope that you check in with us next week for um, that episode. Yeah, thanks for being here, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next time.